Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are talking about the NFC South. I know that nobody tunes in specifically to hear us talk about this division, right? There's no interest. No, apparently we are a Bucks only Homer podcast now. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting. Oh, to Twitter, yes. Yeah, Bucks only. I lost all my judgment of, of non biased opinion. Yeah, guess I'm. Anybody that listens knows that's bullshit, but apparently that's some of the feedback. We yeah, get. yeah, for sure. Especially since you know I didn't grow up in Chicago. Jamie didn't grow up in New York. We never. We all grew. We are all Tampa people. Right, it just migrated. Never spent any time anywhere else. Yeah. Um, we just happen to like what they're doing. This should be a fun one. Listen, uh, the list that I went off of—it's it, hard for us to not have nice things to say about what the Buccaneers did. But we'll get into them uh, in a moment. We're going to start off with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, obviously, they were first place in the division. Uh, that's how we did our previous recordings when we went through and previewed what these teams would look like. This is the 13-3 and Saints coming off a very good, very good regular season, a very, very disappointing postseason, right? And, and they had the big question mark looming over them was, is Drew Brees going to come back and play football? Uh, and that's, that's the big thing here, right, guys? So Drew Brees is back. It's championship or bust. This team's going all in, all the chips. They didn't do all that much, right? When we're talking about key additions here, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Malcolm Jenkins with a homecoming, the notable losses here and Teddy Bridgewater, Ted Ginn Jr., AJ Klein, Eli Apple, and Von Bell. Jake, I'll go to you first here. Obviously, when you have Drew Brees coming back, that's the big collective deep breath that happens for all of the New Orleans Saints fans. But what are your thoughts on, on how this free agency period has gone for them thus far? You know, it's a really interesting division because for, what, 11 years there, they didn't have back-to-back winners. And the Saints have kind of become kings of this division, winning it three straight years for the first time in a long time, since really, really since they switched uh, and switched up the divisions a while back. So it's really kind of been theirs. And they didn't need to do a whole lot. They were damn good. They went 13-3. and three. Adding Emmanuel Sanders, I think, was huge. A veteran presence, catches everything, runs the entire route tree, still has the Jets coming off the Achilles injury, looked really fast last year. Added an aging Malcolm Jenkins for a lot of money. That, I like the player, and I know it's a homecoming and that kind of stuff, and they lost Von Bell. I don't know that that's a swap. Uh, so I've, I've seen them graded really high of what people grade their offseasons. Losing, losing Teddy Bridgewater matters to me. Five and 0 was a backup last year. Yep. Uh, I don't know that they're going to get that from Taysom Hill if Drew Brees gets hurt again. I don't know that he can really play quarterback for an entire game yet. They, they think he can. I mean, apparently we've heard stuff, you know, they think he's Steve Young. That's <laughs> a, 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 lot, a lot to be uh, left on the table there if he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, losing A.J. Klein, solid linebacker there. And losing Eli Apple, who didn't do a whole lot, I went to the Raiders. Uh, I mean, they didn't need to do a whole lot. They were 13-3, and but the division got better, in my opinion. And that offense was interesting at times last year. But adding Emmanuel Sanders, getting Drew Brees back, I think they're primed and ready to make another, you know, 10-win-plus season. 
Yeah, and it's just interesting enough in the uh, the article you sent us, Paige, they gave him an A-plus for the offseason, which I, I think is a, a little generous. Um, not, I, I don't understand that one at all. Uh, look, this, the Saints are an elite team. Uh, they will tell you that – they will tell you about three days after they're eliminated from the postseason that they're the best team in the NFL, <laughs> uh, as they've done the last couple of years, uh, as they're sitting at home on the couch. But, uh, look, the, the Emmanuel Sanders signing is, is tremendous, and I think that – uh, that alone is worthy of a high grade, not an A+, plus, but a high grade. Uh, I, I don't think we have fully appreciated the true lack of multiple weapons that Drew Brees has had to work with in the receiver game uh, in some time. Yes, he's got Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, who's premier at that spot. Uh, I think also the emergence of Jared Cook late in the season, if that continues, is going to be massive. We have not seen a steady tight end presence there since Jimmy Graham was traded. But Ted Ginn Jr., Traquan Smith, Willie Sneed. I mean, some of the other number two options there just don't cut it. And Emmanuel Sanders, as good as he was last year, should be better this year with more time removed from the Achilles injury. Can play outside, can play inside. Maybe they get a little bit more of, uh, I'll take the top off for Traquan Smith. Uh, maybe they should do, uh, you know, two or three deep shots to him a game and see if he can get more involved. But having that secondary option for Drew Brees, especially in the middle of the field, with Jared Cook emerging as a major red zone threat late in the season, uh, I think that is a massive boon for the Saints offense. So that deserves a lot of credit there. I also think there's some left on the table for Alvin Kamara. Uh, for those of you who played fantasy, you might have thought he had a down year. It was really just a, a touchdown percentage drop. He's pretty much did what, every, what he's done every single year. He just had a – his touchdown rate went just plummeted, and I don't expect that to happen again this year. Uh, but look, we don't have many questions about the Saints offense while Drew Brees is healthy. Uh, at times, they're going to have – they always have a few of these games a year where they just inexplicably lose to teams they have no business losing to. And a lot of times it happens in the postseason. But there's not a lot of questions about this offense. I still have some defensive questions. I, I agree that the Jenkins for Bell swap at absolute best-case scenario is even. And I think at a chance that that is a, a downgrade, especially in a, definitely a per-dollar downgrade. Yeah. Uh, but I still have some questions about whether or not that is a Super Bowl-caliber defense. We'll see what they do in the draft. Um, I have them taking Patrick Queen uh, in that spot there. But I, 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 it would be interesting to me to see what they do. But they're obviously, they're a premier team in the NFC. We know that already. They didn't have to do much. But uh, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders is really the big one to me. And if Drew Brees stays healthy, we could see that offense have a lot more success than we've seen the last couple of years, maybe more consistent success. And I want to see what that means for Michael Thomas. Is there possibly another level for him? Or will Sanders be there, allow him to maybe be a better real-life player, if that's even possible, and maybe a little bit less of a fantasy player because they're not going to rely on him quite as much because they actually have a viable other option? Jake, do you, do you think, because because you mentioned it, right, and, and Jamie, you did too, specifically, you're going, the article we're looking at, right, they're giving this offseason an A+. And I think the reason, which I agree is a stretch, um, I think the reason they're doing that is because there was a lot, and maybe it was overplayed, I think it was, into the Drew Brees' retiring stuff, right? And, and I think that's where they probably are giving too much credit to an organization that really didn't have a solid backup plan if Teddy walked and Drew retired, right? Because Sean Payton's already come out and said, you know, I kind of probably should have not said that I thought Drew Brees was going to retire, right? And I think this maybe was played up a little bit more. I didn't ever think he was going to retire. I thought he was coming back for sure uh, just because of the way last season ended. 
So I think that's a lot of what this A plus on this grading scale is giving them, right? And I don't really know that that should really factor in because I don't think that that was really the Saints. It was more so just Drew Brees, Jake. I don't know how you give a team that went 13 and three that made two moves in the offseason. Yeah, thank you. A plus. I think the best you can give them is a B. To me, the biggest thing they did over bringing back Drew Brees is re-sign Andres Pete. Having their left tackle re-sign yeah, big deal. Was, was huge. You're going to bring Drew Brees back. And to Jamie's point about the receivers, that's assuming that Drew Brees hasn't lost anything. He looked like he lost a lot to me down the stretch. I watched them play live with a couple games to go. There's not a lot of juice left in that arm. I don't know how many deep balls are going to be down the field. I think teams might play those guys underneath, play like two-man under, uh, which will be really interesting to see how you can run against that. So it'll be interesting to see how – I think Kamara has a huge year. I think Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas. I love the addition of Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, but I got question marks about Drew Brees that he hasn't lost a little bit of that arm strength. It wasn't ever the strongest thing ever. Now, he anticipates great. They're always in the right play. All the kind of stuff we've talked about with Phillip Rivers. Uh, but there's, there's going to be a little bit to be determined with me with Drew Brees. I want to see what that arm looks like. But Andres Pete was, to me, the biggest thing they did this offseason. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, and look, they have a term in baseball called a show-me fastball, which is when it's – usually it's when it's thrown high in the zone. It's not intended to be thrown for a strike, but it's intended just to get the – make the hitter think about it. That's where I think the deep ball is going to be here. I think it's two or three shots deep, maybe, at max, to Trey Quan Smith just to show that – just to put it out there, just to make you think about it just a little bit. But I don't think that's going to be a big part of the game because I don't think Drew Brees can execute that. Uh, but you still want to put that out there a little bit. I, I agree with you, Jake. Look, they've had a good offseason. They're a great team. There's only so much great teams with a ton of veterans and a Super Bowl winning quarterback that's being paid a lot of money. There's only so much you can do on free agency. It's just the reality of the situation. So they didn't need to have an A-plus free agency. I give them a B, and that's fine because they're a top contender in the NFL and in the NFC. We've said that about a few teams. It's not insult. The goal isn't to win the offseason. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and and the Saints are in a position where they're among the contenders for the Super Bowl, but they were never going to be among the contenders for biggest free agency winners. Just, qu- just I love qu- Emmanuel Sanders too, but I don't think I yeah. call him a blue, blue chip addition. No, I, mean, I love mean, love the dude, love the addition, love yeah. the player. Like, but a blue chip addition. They had two solid moves. The biggest thing they did was bring back Drew Brees and resign their left tackle, and they throw out the same team. That same team stops the run. They rush the passer with four guys. They're a little bit limited in the secondary, and they're going to be limited linebacker. But with Jamie's point, if they take Patrick Queen in the draft, you fix a lot of that. I think they also yeah. add a receiver in this draft. Uh, there's just too many good ones, even when you get down to the third and fourth. Like uh, Duvernay from Texas, who's a, just a burner, uh, kind of like he built like a running back, but a burner to kind of take that Ted Ginn role. Uh, to Jamie's point, if they're going to take some deep shots, I think he'd be a great addition in the third or fourth that I've seen him slotted at. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you give them a better than a B for this offseason. They're too, they're too damn good. They couldn't add that much. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where they're going to be drafting, right? Because they don't have a second round pick. So this team is at 24, then they're not picking till 88, right? So they go one, three, four, five, and six. So they got five picks in this draft. They got two in the top 100. Uh, Joe Marino in his latest mock draft also has Patrick Queen going to the new Orleans saints at that spot overall. Um, but to you guys' point, what are the, you know, this team is already a 13-3. and three. This is a really good team. Do they have the ability to run that back with what you're looking at right now, Jake? I don't think they win 13 games again. No, I think the division is 
after a certain point, Carolina was very beatable for New Orleans. Yeah, for they sure. caught them in a good time. Uh, Atlanta was down. They caught them at a good time last year. And the Bucks played them tough, but they turned it over a bunch. That's not going to be seen in the same team. We'll talk about the Bucks in a little bit, but they've gotten a lot better. Carolina's gotten better. They're going to have better quarterback play. Atlanta got better. Atlanta had a good offseason. So I think the division as a whole got better. I, I, don't, I don't see them winning 13 games. I, like I said, I, I see them being a 10-plus. I think they'll be there for the division. I don't know if they'll win it, but I think they get in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I have them right now. Uh, I've gone back and forth between 10 and 11 wins for them. The, the Vegas total is 11 and a half right now. Um, 11 and a half is what Ooh. is in Vegas is the over-under. But, um, you know, they're a heavy public team. Uh, but uh, I have them between 10 and 11, depending how things work out for them. Uh, again, they're going to be in contention. I, I'll, they'll still be my pick at the moment to win the division. But they're not, this is not a team I think we're going to be talking about by weeks or I guess one team's going to get a bye week. I don't think it's a team we're going to be talking about as the number one team in the NFC going into it, but they're still extremely good. I'm really interested to see where we, uh, where this conversation develops into post a draft, right? Because they, they have the least draft capital of the entirety of this division. But they only right? got four or five guys from the draft that can make their team. Yeah. yeah. That's, they can that's, get nine picks. It wouldn't even matter because four yeah. of those dudes aren't even going to make the team coming out of camp. I yeah, like that's their why Having five picks where they're at, solid. And yeah, that's why I don't think they trade out of that spot in the first round. I think they take no. Queen, they take Kenneth Murray, maybe if Queen's off the board, they take somebody and they fill that hole immediately. And then they just sit back and they sit back till the, the back half of day two. Till 88. Uh, I just, I th- yeah. Yeah, till 88. All right, quickly, uh, your very, very early wide receiver one. Is it Michael Thomas? No questions asked, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. Jame- yeah. Jake? Yeah. yeah. What's the ceiling? What's the what's the ceiling in the floor here for Emmanuel Sanders now that we 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 liked him last year? I think this whole group collectively liked him a little bit better than than everybody else in the fantasy community. And then mostly just watching him come back after injury, right? And making sure that I mean, still one of the more unbelievable feats, the fact that he came back as fast as he did, right? Like just fast and yeah, I mean, just just incredible. So Jamie, I'll let you go here first. Uh, what's the ceiling here for, for Emmanuel Sanders? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking back. I actually wrote about this for SI, and you can look at it. I look at him still as a wide receiver three. Uh, I can't see him. Okay. If, if Michael Thomas is healthy, which he's always been, uh, yeah. he's, he's missed one game in his four-year career. Um, I, I can't see him cracking the top 24, um, but he finds a way to be fantasy relevant a lot. I, I'm just – he's going – this is one of those ones where I think it's a bigger move for the Saints as a team than it is for Sanders and as a fantasy player because of the things that will open up to them. But he's still a solid wide receiver three. I think he's going to be a guy that if you walk out, if you play three receivers every week and a lot, a lot of teams play, you know, two receivers, two running backs and a flex or multiple flex, you know, he'll be in that wide receiver three flex category. He's going to be somebody that is, you know, you're probably going to be deciding between him. We're going to get a lot of Sanders or blank questions, I imagine, early in the season. So that's kind of where I have him. So definitely worthy of drafting in the middle rounds, but I can't see him finishing as a top 24 receiver and being that must-start-every-week guy. Yeah, no, I'll go, I'll go a little bit more statistical than fantasy, but he's going to have five or six targets a game. There's not going to be games where he has two. I think that's the big thing is he's going to be consistent on his targets. You're probably looking on the low end of 60 catches on the high end of 80, 85 catches, in my opinion. Uh, so he's going to be right there every week getting those five or six targets. I don't know how many would be red zone. I don't know how many would be down the field. But if he's getting five for 80 for most weeks, pretty solid. So it's putting him right there where Jamie's talking about uh, in that wide receiver three category, good flex option. If you're playing three wide, you know, three wide receivers in your league, 
that I'm going to like him a lot depending on the, where the value is. Yeah, right, just for a cheap, just for a cheap plug page. Before, uh, is, yeah, do it. Look it up on on Sports Illustrated. I, I went again in depth on him. Just look up fantasy football impact of Emmanuel Sanders joining Saints. That's the headline of the of the article. Go a little bit deep into to where I think he finishes. You know how I get there. So a little bit more than just reading the whole article on the podcast. If you want, you know, want to know more about where I have him, check that out. It's almost like I read your article and teed you up, Jamie. I know it's every, great. Every, everybody, everybody should wait, definitely check out what he's doing. Wait to see how cocky I am after doing my literally my first ever written mock draft. Can't that wait. Comes out, that comes out Friday. Can't uh, wait. So very, then very, I'm gonna oh, do my where's best. My red uh, where's my red marker? My oh, red pen. I love oh, I know. it. Oh, I'm uh, gonna get trashed by the draft network, guys. And I probably deserve it. Can't wait. It's gonna be great for the for the squad. Uh, all right, Atlanta Falcons uh, finish the season seven and nine bucks as well, but we'll start with Atlanta here, right? They're notable additions. They add running back Todd Gurley, wide receiver Laquan Treadwell, tight end Hayden Hurst, uh, outside linebacker Dante Fowler Jr. from the Rams. Uh, notable losses here, running back Devontae Freeman, tight end Austin Hooper, uh, defensive end Adrian Claiborne, linebacker Devondre Campbell, outside linebacker Vic Beasley, cornerback Desmond Trufant, right? So, they add quite a bit, but they also lose quite a bit here, right? So you're looking at the additions and subtractions, a lot of the same positions, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, tight end. You're looking at some defensive moves that, that all kind of match up together. So the question here is they move on from Freeman and Hooper and Vic Beasley and they add Todd Gurley and they add Hayden Hurst and they add Dante Fowler Jr., did they upgrade Jake or did they downgrade or did they stay the same? Uh, let's take it one by one. I think Gurley is an upgrade for Devontae Freeman, but Devontae Freeman played pretty well down the stretch after battle and injury. Uh, but Gurley's limited. We've talked about talent-wise, even where Devontae Freeman is now, I still think Todd Gurley is better, but we don't know what we're getting. And I don't know how much he's going to play week to week. Laquan Treadwell, I like the addition. The player coming out of Ole Miss was a first-round pick. Never materialized at all in Minnesota, but I like the player. He's going to take over that Sanu role-ish, but you're talking about a former first-round pick who's got the yeah. talent, and that offense, I like that. Hayden Hurst, I loved coming out of college. Got hurt and kind of got surpassed last year by Andrews a little bit. Uh, so I don't know that they lose a ton there, but I'd have to downgrade them there. I think Dante Valor Jr. is a huge upgrade from Vic Beasley. So I think overall they probably got better, but they lost six starters. Desmond Trufant, they didn't replace. He's that's, really solid. We talked about him when we talked about Detroit. So I'd have to say overall they got worse. But I'd like what they did. I'd, I'd probably give them a C-plus for the offseason stuff so far. They need to have a good draft, and they need to add some defensive players to that draft. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I am as well. I, I think Gurley on a per-touch basis will be more effective than Devonta Freeman was. Um, there's still, like, obviously the issue of how much Dirk Cutter is going to actually run the football uh, and how much Todd Gurley can actually run the football on, on a volume standpoint. But per touch, you're going to get production there. Laquan Treadwell is interesting. I want to see what he does. But he's going to be the third, legitimately fourth, fifth passing option on that team in some days. So, I mean, that's whatever he gets you is gravy. Um, Hayden Hurst is interesting to me. Like, I don't think he's going to put up as the productive of a season that Austin Hooper had. But on a per-dollar basis, given Austin Hooper's new deal, that was the smart football move to make, even if it's not as good for fantasy or quite as good for Matt Ryan. I think he could be a better, more well-rounded tight end, though. Hayden Hurst will block yes. his ass off, and it's still a really effective pass catcher. Go back and look at his stuff when he was coming out of, of South Carolina. Yeah. Really liked him. But I, it's a great point on the, the value there. 
Yeah, and, and Dante Fowler's great. Like, I love that addition there. Uh, I have them taking Christian Fulton uh, in the first round to help kind of make up for that Desmond Trufant loss. But look, it, the Falcons season is going to be dictated by two things. One, how they improve that secondary. And two, how they handle their kind of brutal road schedule. So if you haven't checked, check out their road schedule. I think they have a legitimate shot to go one and seven. I think they're going to be four point or more underdogs. So way more than the three standard. Uh, in seven of their eight road games this year. I, I think it's going to be between going to Tampa Bay, going to New Orleans. I'm trying to find out what, where the other ones were for them. They go to Dallas. They go to Green Bay. They go to Kansas City. They go to the Chargers. I mean, they have a brutal Yikes. road schedule. The Bucks and the Saints get all those teams at home. The Panthers and the Falcons get all those teams on the road. Uh, so I, I think that it's, as much as I, I like what they've done this offseason – they're going to have a really tough time overcoming probably the hardest road schedule in the league. Yeah, that's that is brutal what you just went through. I'd love, I, I definitely want to see how the schedule all shakes out, right? Depending on how everything, but either way you shake it, going on the road to all those teams, all quality teams that you're going to go play, where like Jamie said, you're probably going to be a big dog going on the road which, between like probably four to ten points in seven yeah. of their uh, of their eight road you games. know you're going to finish either at tampa or at new orleans yeah, yeah. or at carolina but i'm guessing it's going to be tampa or yeah one yeah i'm, I'm yeah, guessing at carolina is the only up. game this is the only game they won't be they probably won't be underdogs or if they are they'll be one or two point underdogs but it's something to consider because you know i have them uh, i think they're going to struggle to get to 500 because of that it's as good as they could play at home i i just that road schedule is going to be a problem for them. For They're sure. going to have to steal some games. Especially considering when you talk about Matt Ryan and that team outside of the Dome, some of the places you mentioned, Green Bay, uh, Kansas Green City. Green Bay, Kansas of, City. Like Those are places like good luck because October, it could be nasty in October in both of those places. It could be 75 in Kansas City in October, but it could also be snowing. Like That's what the weather looks like. And, and Green Bay, good luck. Like, good luck going there any time of the year. It could be nice, but it could – October yeah. on, it's probably going to be really, really bad weather. And, and yeah, look, the problem for them, to Jamie's point, is they don't run the ball. Yeah. So no. you're going to go on the road to all those places and you don't run the ball much, it's a lot to put on Matt Ryan's shoulders. And then even some of the ones that have domes, like in Minnesota or Dallas. But, I mean, again, those, those teams They're are still pretty places. strong teams. Like, yeah. it's, it's not an easy place to go. And the Falcons haven't been great on the road. I just – I just, that scares me. That would scare me if, if I'm a Falcons fan is that that road schedule is probably going to be the biggest reason why they're not, we're not talking about them in wildcard contention late in the season. All right. Let's talk about the draft for them. Right. So they have 16 was their first overall pick. Uh, the second yeah. round, they go 55, 78, 119, 134, 128. Right. So they have no fifth or sixth, but they go one, two, three, two fours and a seven. Right. Um, Joe Marino has CJ Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida, going to uh, the Atlanta Falcons there with their first overall pick. Jake, what do they need to focus on here uh, is with the draft? Do you think they're going to be able to, to fix some of these holes here? Because they, they obviously they have two picks inside the top 50 at 14 or at 16 and well, 16 and 55, just outside of the top 50. So they have some good picks here, but it's, it's hard when we look at this division as a whole to imagine that they're going to be able to keep up with what we know is in New Orleans and what we're going to talk about in Tampa Bay. To me, I think they're in the perfect position to trade back. I think somebody, if one of these quarterback things gets a little squirrely and somebody's sitting there or one of these tackles gets past 14, um, I could see them moving back. It's too high for me to take Henderson there. 
if they move back in the mid twenties and pick up another second rounder, I could see them taking DeAndre Swift from Georgia, yeah. adding another running back, and then focusing on a bunch of corners, uh, corner safety. Uh, but I think they're in the perfect position to trade back. I, I don't think I would take Henderson at that high. I don't think he's that kind of guy. Um, he's a really good corner. He's a first round pick, but at 16, they need a lot. I can see them. I can see them moving this pick and getting a little creative here, uh, taking something, moving back. You know, 10, 12 spots. Yeah, that that'd be interesting to me. They definitely need to add uh, need to add a corner here. They need some linebacker up. I still think they could add another pass rusher as well. But they are an interesting spot if somebody falls or somebody falls in love with Jordan Love or someone falls in love with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Clavon Chase on and wants to get above Dallas if they're going to make that pick even after Alden Smith signed. I mean, like, there are all these scenarios there, but uh, they definitely have to address the defensive side of the ball first and foremost. A cornerback, linebacker, they have some issues. They still need some help on the defensive line, pass right. I mean, they need to be heavy defense in this draft. They don't need another receiver right now unless they're going to – they don't – I think that ideally you would like to have another back there, but I don't think you can spend your first or second round capital on that, given the holes that this team has. Unless on the they end up with two. Ball. If they end up with two second rounders, I was saying, okay, if DeAndre Swift's there, Georgia guy. Sure, if, he, yeah, if he's there. Yeah, if he's there, then you make that exception. But I don't think you two, go with your – I'd say, okay, spend that one, then go defense. But that's just me being – trying to think outside the box a little bit. Uh, what do you guys end up – you threw around some letter grades. We give Bs to the Saints. What are you guys giving to the, uh, to the Falcons here? C-plus, Jake? I think that's what you, you threw yeah, out. Is that what you're sticking a, with? Give them a C-plus, B-minus. Okay. I mean, I, to me, I, technically, I think they got a little bit worse so far. So pre-draft, I'd have to go C-plus. I can't give them in the B range. I think you stayed pretty much where you're at if you're going to be. All right, Jamie? Yeah, I'll say C+. Plus. Um, right. I like some of the things that they did. Uh, they made some moves that they had to make with the cap, but that aren't necessarily beneficial to – always beneficial to them winning more games, but they made the prudent moves that they had to make, and I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, great All point. Right. All right, moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and since y'all going to call us homers, I'm going to just dive right in and just go full homer mode because guess what? When we talked about this team, we said there were two things that needed to happen this offseason to have success. Keep the defense intact and shore up the quarterback position, okay? They kept Shaq, JPP, and Sue, okay? Big, big parts of, the, of this team coming back. And they went from the turnover machine and Jameis Winston. I'll say it. I understand. I know there's love for Jameis in Tampa, but 30 turnovers to the opposite of the turnover machine in the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. So when we talked about upgrading at, from the quarterback position, it's hard to envision that there is anything that would make this a better upgrade, right? I, I get the, he's 42 years old, blah, 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 blah. You can tell me, I, I don't care. I don't care. He's the greatest of all time. He's the opposite from a turnover perspective, which was the single greatest issue for this football team last last season period this is the biggest reason that they lost football games last year and they upgraded at that position and like i talked about we i just named three of the big thing three of the big superstar players on that defensive line that they needed to keep and they kept all of them right so the notable additions here obviously tom brady right um they lose Jameis winston peyton barber brashad perryman who was hopeful that it could stay stick around, but that wide receiver room is one of the best. Um, Demar Dotson, Bo Allen, and Carl Nassib, right? Uh, but the the big names here, obviously, and they're not on the additions, but they kept these guys, right? In in Shaq, JPP, and Sue. 
So Jake, uh, Listen, they call us homers, but this is if this was a different person coaching this football team other than Bruce Arians, I would have nothing other than to say other than this is an absolute home run of an offseason uh, for, for this football team and this organization. I don't know how it can get any better, but if you want to call me a homer, go back and listen to about week eight when I ripped everybody's ass on the team. Uh, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a homer. It's my dad, but I still call it like I see it. I don't know how it could be any better. Uh, you add Tom Brady. The biggest thing to me with the quarterback position, other than Tom Brady, who's 42, we've talked about, chip on his shoulder, Tom Brady. New chip, right? I love that. They also just added Blaine Gabbert back, which I love. It's going to be – Blaine's going to have like nine or ten head coaches and nine systems, but it's now going to be his fourth year in this system. I love that. This dude knows the offense, really smart guy, big, strong arm, former 10th pick overall. I love the additions. They're going to match really, really well together. Uh, and helping Brady understand the nuances of this, of being in it. Kind of like Drew Stanton with Carson Palmer when they ran that back in Arizona. Uh, losing Brashad Perryman hurts because he was really, really good down the stretch. But there's only so much money to go around. And you got, you got Sue back, who just gets no credit, plays 99% of the snaps, takes a double team on 90% of those 99 plays. And Vita Vea is an absolute monster that came into his own last year. By the way, played most of the year with that sprained MCL that he got in the first week of training camp after missing all the training camp. It was just a freak. JPP now going to be fully healthy after an offseason. Shaq led the league in sacks. You're bringing back the whole front seven, but you're really bringing back the entire defense. Second year with Todd Bowles. They all understand the nuances of that defense. They should be better over there. Todd can get even more creative. Offensively, to me, one of the biggest additions with Joe Haig from the Colts was with Joey Gilbert and, and an Indianapolis offensive line coach for the Bucks. Plays, it played, started all five positions in Indianapolis at one point on the offensive line, but can play right tackle if they somehow don't draft one. I think that's definitely their need in the first round. Uh, and there's four. Hopefully one of them's there at 14. Uh, but Joe Haig, swing tackle, play guard, just an awesome addition for offensive line depth on a team. They played above their heads a little bit off on the offensive line last year. But I don't know how – I mean, it's a solid A for me. I don't know how it gets any better. You go into the needs of what they wanted and what they wanted to do. They did everything. They checked every single box. And I don't know that they're done. I mean, we've got a long way to go between the draft and whenever training campus, because we're not going to have OTAs. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. they got some draft capital, which we'll get into in a minute. Love to hear Jamie's thoughts, but I don't know how, I don't know how they could have been anything better than this. Yeah, I mean, look, you have to be impressed with what they did with this offseason. The biggest ship is Tom Brady. That's been talked about ad nauseum by us and by everybody. I don't think – if you still need a reasons why you would take Tom Brady over Jameis Winston, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if you still, how you still need convincing. And we're not Jameis Winston haters, but you're comparing Jameis Winston to the greatest quarterback of all time. And even though he's not at his prime, he is still really damn good and has a ton of weapons at his disposal and is not going to turn the ball over. And if you were been paying close attention to the Bucs, you know how many times they started games down seven, nothing down 14, nothing because of a pick six, because of quick turnovers on the first drive. It was a running joke and just avoiding that element of the team is going to be a tremendous amount of gain, even beyond the other things that Tom Brady can bring in tangible wise and whatnot. The draft to me is going to be key because the other, the other holes we want to see them fill, right tackle. Uh, I mean, Joe Hay can fill that role, but I think ideally they want one of those four tackles to drop to them. I have Becton fall into them, which I think would be, would be an amazing fit there. You want to see where they go with that, pa that pass blocking, pass catching third down back. Um, you know, Agumba Wale did the best he could last year, but that is an area that you've got to be able to upgrade. Uh, I think that's, the, that's more important to me than finding the next Ronald Jones replacement, for example. I want to see 
again, if somebody falls into your lap, they fall into your lap. But I want to see what Ronald Jones does as a full season, at least as a two down back and see what happens from there. And I, I do think that you would like to, in a, in a deep receiver class, bring in another third receiver at some point. Uh, I don't think you spend, you know, I, you don't spend your first round pick or anything like that on one, but uh, I would like to see that Brashad Perriman replacement at some point. You're fine with the guys you have. You just like to see a little bit of an upgrade there at some point, whether a cheap veteran in free agency or at the draft. But the biggest thing that they needed to do this year was solidify the quarterback position and bring back the defense. That's what we said all offseason. That's what you said to open the segment. That's what they did. So I don't, I don't know how you could be any more impressed with what they did. They're going to be a playoff contender. They're going to be a problem for teams in the NFC. And I'm really excited to see what Tom Brady gets to work with because I wrote this article for SI about like Tom Brady's path to winning the MVP in 2020 and how in his previous MVP seasons, he's always had four reliable options. He's always had, whether it was at one point Wes Welker uh, and Randy Moss together, and they had actually a bunch of other guys or having James White and Wes Welker and then uh, or having when he had both tight ends going with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. There were always four guys that he was relying on heavily in those offensive schemes when he won the MVP. He has an opportunity to do that this year with Chris Godwin, with Mike Evans, with the combination of maybe Bray, particularly in the red zone. Maybe O.J. Howard gets it together and, and takes a step forward this year. Maybe there's another receiver that comes in. Maybe it's that pass catching back that, that they're going to still add at some point. Like that is the path to success here. And that is something coupled with not turning the ball over and not basically playing every game from behind at some point is going to be the biggest difference. And by the way, that Bucks defense was really young, particularly in the secondary last year. They played really well late and are taking another step forward this year and now have the confidence they can play in the league and play at a high level. So there's a lot to like here. I, I, I don't understand why some people want us to, to crap on, what, on anything that they've done. I don't know what you want us to say. Uh, you know, and not, not, they did, again, they lose Jameis Winston replaced with Tom Brady, lose Peyton Barber. They can afford to lose that. They'll replace him with, with, uh, with another back lose Brashad Perriman like to see them add somebody there, but that's still your third receiver, you know, DeMar Dotson, you know, Bo Allen, Colin Nassib, like all those guys are just, those aren't huge factors compared to what they've added. So I don't know how you can give them anything but an A for what happened this off season. Yeah, I mean, look, 29 picks in four years for Tom Brady, 30 picks from Jameis. When it went 30 turnovers, page was 30 picks. Yeah. So Tom threw 29 in four years. Jameis threw 30 last year, plus the fumbles. Look, and a lot of more in his fault. Thing, things happen. He had a solid year, but he turned it over too damn much, and you're replacing him with Tom Brady. So I don't know how anybody can complain about that, period. I, yeah, I, um, don't care. I don't care how many damn yards you throw for. If you throw 30 picks – you don't throw for 51-plus if you're not down by 14 in most yeah, games. It, that's exactly right. And, and you put your defense in a tough position. You put your coaching staff in a tough position because you're right out of the, right out of the gate. You're out of the game plan because you're down. We love – I remember Bruce saying, we love giving away points. It's like we're going to spot the other team. Go ahead. Here's seven points. Now let's play from behind. I, I mean, that's, that's got to be so frustrating and very tough for the whole – for everybody on that team, right? And you just brought it up. Four years – less total picks than what they had from one season of Jameis, right? That's, that's the biggest part of this. That's, that's the single greatest part of this is that key element. And, and also the fact that this team has serious draft capital still, right? Let me run through this. They're picking at 14, at 45, at 76, at 117, at 139, at 161, at 194. They go one, two, three, two fours, a five, and a six right? So this is a roster when, when I was looking at this and I was looking at both teams, because I think at the end of the day, this is going to come down to the Brady and Breeze show 
in this division. It's going to be awesome, right? I think these two, these two quarterbacks who are so damn talented, it's going to be awesome to see these two go at it in the same division, right? And I think it's going to come down to that. But I looked and I went, ooh, the old Bucks got a lot of more draft capital than the Saints, and they're picking 10 spots higher, right? And I could argue I love, the, I love the wide receivers in New Orleans, but I love the wide receivers for the Bucks, right? So it, it, that would be a comparison there. Yeah, I think you start looking – and you go, okay, the defense you like more in Tampa Bay. Okay, so now I start, start evening things out, and I start looking at things, and I go, okay, if at, if at 14, right, we have on, on the draft network right now, Joe Marino has them going Jedrick Wills, right, at 14. They, go, they would go there, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 45, right? Um, it, it. Yeah, it, it's if this if the draft falls to them because they're not drafting a quarterback, right? They're not sitting at their 14th overall spot looking to reach like a lot of other teams are. A lot of this might fall their way. It might not, right? But it might fall their way, and they got the capital and they got the picks to make this team, this roster, better right away, right? And the, the I think the only way you could go from an A to an A plus is if they somehow got Perriman to take a cheaper deal and stay, right? I think that's the only way it could go from an A to an A plus, but they might get somebody in the third round that fills that role. And then at the end of the day, you're not going to care about Perriman. I'm going to give you right? a few names, Paige. Yeah, let's do it. T.Y. Hilton, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown. Who am I forgetting? A couple other ones in there. All drafted by B.A. third round later. Teams he was on. Some pretty good names, huh? Just go with the third rounders. That was Emmanuel Sanders, T.Y. Hilton, and John Brown. He loves a specific guy in every draft that's right there. Uh, I mean, A.B. was, I think, in the sixth. J.J. Nelson was, like, the seventh. Uh, I mean, there's been solid, solid receivers. By the way, Scotty, Scotty Miller that played really well last year at times, kept having hamstring troubles. Apparently, he's gained a few pounds, looks really, really solid. I can't wait to see him if he can play in the slot a little bit with that speed. Talking about a guy that doesn't miss a step when he catches the ball, running full speed or ran 4-3 coming out. Uh, they got guys. I mean, they, they, Perriman got paid. He got $8 million for yeah, one year. Yeah, good for him. Good That's for awesome. Him. Great, great for him. Uh, and he was awesome. He was phenomenal down the stretch. But you can't pay everybody, and you're not going to take Perriman over Sue when you're talking about a run, stop, and defense. Okay. By the way, that defense we're talking about, 72.4 yards, I think, giving up a game rushing. The next closest was 11 yards behind them. They finished first by 11 yards stopping the run. That's Todd Bowles. Go back and look. Every year he's been with my dad, they've been top five against the run. Every year. And that's the MO. So you can't not take Sue over Perriman. They'll replace that receiver. That's how they go from an A to an A+. Plus. But if they go starting right tackle, whether it's Wirfs, Wills, Becton, any of them. One of the Say four. it's DeAndre Swift, yeah. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, whoever it is in the second round, if they take a running back there. I don't think they have to, but if they do there – Take that receiver maybe in the third we were just talking about. This is going to be – they were super heavy defensive draft last year. They'll probably add one defensive player, but I think it's going to be an offensive draft this year. And if you add pieces like that to go along with what's already there. Good night, Irene. Jedrick Wills, Wills from Alabama as a right tackle who plays right tackle is a Hello. dog. You add him to this team, if he falls there, or Makai Becton who's 365 with the feet of a ballerina, if that's even possible. Like, there's four legit. Andre, uh, yes, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any of them. I think Worf will be worse. long gone, but yeah. yeah, I think he'll be gone by then. But if any of them drop, they'll be happy with any of the four at 14. Plug and play, right tackle, starter. And the cool thing is, three of those guys play right tackle in college. There's no learning curve. 
And then you, I was talking about Joe Haig could be that swing guy. He didn't have to start. But if you're going to have an injury somewhere, you got a really solid guy who was a run machine on that Indianapolis offense a few years ago. So that's how they go from an A to an A+. Plus. But I don't know how you couldn't love what they did. And that's, and that's how you, you do it right when you have Tom Brady as your quarterback. By the way, your, your coach is old. Your quarterback's – I mean, King ain't trying to draft one and raise him up and not win. He oh. wants to go win. He's got a window of a few years. Call it three. Him and Brady make a run at it. I mean, it's, this isn't rocket science. So what do you do? You fix what you want to do. That's bring back the defense and put weapons around the best quarterback of all time. Amy, I'll, I'll let you take this one first. It's, it's kind of – I brought this up with the Saints, but it – feels it's maybe not the same because Tampa didn't have the type of season last year, but that championship or bust kind of like we're here to win and we're here to win it all in a window kind of feels like the, the Bucks might have a little bit longer of a window like this season, next season, whereas the Saints, especially with their cap situation, might not be able to like, it kind of feels like this is the season for the Saints, right? Yeah, it definitely does. And because when Drew Brees does retire, they have a lot of it, – it's not going to be framed this way, but a cap recapture penalties, essentially. Yeah. Uh, they would have had one this year. If Drew Brees retired, they would have been in a bad spot. Like, I think that was the part that – I know we brought up briefly, but not a lot of people talked about. Even if Brees said at the, you know, the very last day of the season, yeah, I'm gone, they still would have had trouble signing Teddy Bridgewater because of some of the cap concerns that, are, that they've kicked the can down the road, which, again, do that. Extend your Super Bowl window as long as humanly possible and deal with the consequences later. But they have some issues, too. The second Drew Brees is either his performance drops below starter caliber or he retires or both, whatever it is. They have massive problems they're going to have to deal with. You know, Tampa's window, it's tough to say how long it's open, but we know they have a two-year deal with Brady. So that's the window we can look at immediately and say, but they've got a pretty young team in a lot of other areas. But yeah. To me, it's, this is going to be fascinating because I have Tampa Bay around 9 to 10 wins. I, like I said, New Orleans around 10 or 11. I think this is going to be a really close race. I think they're both playoff teams. Uh, and it's going to be really exciting to watch because, you know, to me, both teams have the chance that if everything goes right, both of these teams have the ability, best case scenario, to spike into the 12, 13 win category. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to pick either one to do it, but they both Health. have that possibility. No. Health. Health. That's why the yes. Hague is, is so important. Health is crazy. Here's, uh, here's JC's uh, mock draft. He just did okay. it in the Bucks. Okay. Jedrick Wills, DeAndre Swift, Jacob Eason, Van Jefferson, Solomon Kinley, J.R. Reed, Tyler Clark. Van Jefferson's Are you not giving him an A-plus after that one? I, mean, I don't know yeah. if that happened, but – that's not a name we talked about a lot, but I think it was Daniel Jeremiah last night, or I guess it would be Wednesday night for those of you who are not listening on the day of. Uh, check out his Twitter feed because he did, did like a film breakdown of Van Jefferson. He's a very interesting receiver prospect uh, for those of you, maybe Bucks fans that are listening. And that's not a name you've, you've heard come up before. You've heard about the other Jefferson that's going in the first round, but not Van Jefferson is going to go in the middle rounds. Uh, yeah, if that happens – yeah, yeah, A plus plus. That's a that's listen. I like I said, I sat down and I looked at this, and I'm writing my prep notes, and I'm going, okay, look at all these picks, and I'm going, ooh, Jason, you're gonna have a lot of fun in this draft class because <laughs> there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of talent, and when you have a really really good roster, you can let the draft fall to you, and that's where this that's where this leaves them in a really really good spot because they don't have a lot of holes and more most importantly they're not reaching for a QB right now right which is a lot of teams 
looking for quarterbacks, right? And if it is in that mock where you get Eason in the third, great. You get a guy that maybe a, a guy that you take a chance on. There's a lot of, it's been a lot of excitement about potentially oh, getting. You'd love to have him in the third round, sitting behind yeah. Blaine and Tom for a couple years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, third please, round guy. yeah, please you know, sign me. Yes. Yeah. Sign me up for I that. I think that's what that kid needs. If he did I that, agree. I think you might be looking at a superstar in a couple years. I don't think he'll be there in the third. I don't think DeAndre Swift will be there at 45. I pray to yeah. God, Jedra Rose will be there at 14. They look, they, exactly to your point, they can let the draft come to them other than 14. Yep. Yeah. So there's four big time tackles, three of which play right tackle, which is what they need. That needs to be that 14th pick. For if sure. those guys are gone, then they got to figure something out. But the rest of it, running back, receiver, it could be a, a lot of different things. Of which there is a ton of depth. Both of those yep. positions you're talking about, it's a good time to be drafting both of those positions because there's a lot of them and there's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of value to be had in this draft. All right, let's finish things up here with the Carolina Panthers, guys. Uh, this team's going to look a lot different, right? This is a team that's going to look significantly different than really what we've gotten used to watching this team look like for, for a significant amount of time, right? That started with the, the coaching change with Ron Rivera leaving, now the Washington Redskins head coach. The notable additions here, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously the new quarterback signs a three-year deal there. Uh, they get quarterback P.J. Walker. Uh, as a backup offensive tackle, they bring in Russell Okun. They got wide receiver Robbie Anderson, wide receiver Seth Roberts, defensive ends uh, Stephen Weatherly. They bring in Tahir Whitehead. But here's the losses, and this is where I talk about how this team's going to look different. Cam Newton, okay? Whether you, it's, it's not seeing Cam in Carolina is going to be strange. It's going to be a, a totally different feel. Kyle Allen, who obviously played uh, for them last year, Chris Hogan. Another one, tight end, Greg Olson, long time there. Trey Turner, Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, Don Terry Poe, Vernon Butler, Luke Keekley. He cannot be understated what a loss this is for that team. James Bradbury and safety Eric Reed, another huge loss. Their uh, entire defense. Their whole defense, yeah. yeah. And most importantly, and I know that this is not a free agent move, the head coach, the whole defensive philosophy, the identity of this football team, you saw what this football team looked like after they fired Ron Rivera. Just, just the change in the, in the season, what this team looked like post-Ron, right? And, and I think then you got, just from a leadership perspective, Greg Olson and Luke Keekley. That, that stuff cannot be understated. This is going to be a new, a new image, new ownership, right, over the last couple of years, new quarterback, new change. Um, and they're in a prime position now with a top 10 pick um, to either trade out, which is what Joe Marino has them doing, or – They're going to have to. Yeah. Or, I, I, I just think – I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, I mean, not, not to get too deep into that side before we get into free agency talks, but they're, they're in this weird spot uh, because, like, I don't think Okuda or Simmons fall to them. And then at that point, it's like – they're also in a spot where both the quarterbacks are going to go above them. So they're not, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, it's not like the, we've talked about a lot about the chargers or Miami, maybe moving up to three or four to kind of jump each other or whatever. They're not going to be able to be involved in that, but uh, they're, they're in such an interesting spot overall, because like you said, if you talk about the story, the makeup, the pillars of this team over the last handful of years, you talk about Cam Newton, you talk about Greg Olson, you talk about Luke Keekley, and none of them are going to be there. Like the Teddy Bridgewater signing, uh, we've talked. We talked a lot about you know who he is as a person, what he can do at a quarter as, as a quarterback. 
you know, Robbie Anderson, when, you know, he has his head on straight, has the chance to be an impact player, but I don't think he's a true NFL number one, despite what he got paid. You, you do that, you, that trade, the, the offensive line trade you did, the Turner for Okun was a, was a net negative for you. I just, I, I look at this team and I go, you know, there's going to be some fantasy value. You know, you think because McCaffrey's going to be the number one overall pick. You, DJ Moore is a star. And now you have the, now you have the combination of Robbie Anderson and, and um, Curtis Samuel. But this defense could be really, really bad. I don't think this team is going to win many games. Uh, they're not trying to win many games right now. They are going full 100%. We tear this down, rebuild it in our new image, which is what they need to do, quite frankly. But uh, it is what it is. Like, it's like, I don't dislike some of the signings that they had, but this is just not a team that is going to go anywhere very quickly. It was a really weird offseason for me because I was like, damn, they are just dismantling this. Then they signed Teddy Bridgewater. And I look at this list. And that's really a stopgap because they could, at the money they paid him, they could be done in two years. Mm-hmm. They, they still could have the number one pick, take whoever and Teddy be the guy, or they could move on from Teddy even if he plays well. We've talked about when they signed him. The rest of this, Okun was a cap savings after pay Trey Turner has been a multiple yeah. Pro Bowl. So it was definitely a downgrade. Robbie Anderson's a short deal. Seth Roberts is whatever. Um, to hear Whitehead, they had to add a linebacker, but that's not even close to Luke Keekley. And to hear Whitehead's a solid player, but it ain't Luke Keekley. And they lost their entire defense, both pass rushers, both defensive tackles, their best corner, their best linebacker, their best safety. That's their whole damn defense. Yeah, no, the whole thing. Like, yeah. so I look at it and go, okay, it was weird. They, they broke it down and they brought some guys back. No, they really didn't. They brought Teddy in as a stopgap. And if he plays really well, they don't have to draft one. Great. They can restructure that deal. They can extend it, whatever. The rest of these guys were to move cap space and to get rid of guys that were there that don't fit Matt Rule's stuff moving forward. We talked about Steve Smith. I don't agree with a lot, but he made a really good point when we saw him with these offensive linemen. They went from these big road graders to more athletic guys that move well in space, which is what Matt Rule wants to do, and that's not what Trey Turner and some of these guys were doing. It would be really interesting to see if McCaffrey's value is the same behind a very different offensive line structure, right? I mean, if they want to yeah, run it, run it to me, there's going to be a learning curve there and something to figure out with these offensive linemen. And these college guys coming to the NFL figure out that these giant wide splits and some of the stuff that they did in college does not work, period, end of story. Cliff Kingsbury learned that early because he's got one of the best and Sean Coogler with him that said, no, that's this, <laughs> you cannot do that. That's not going to work. I hope. Matt Rule has something like that, where it's going to be a really interesting learning curve for Teddy Bridgewater. And I can see McCaffrey's value. I don't see McCaffrey having the same season he had last year, period. Maybe oh, a ton of catches. It's hard to imagine that. I don't think there's any way he does that again. I don't know how we can bank on that. 80% of it is still a hell of a fantasy value. But to me, it's still really a rebuild, not tank, but blow the whole thing up. Because I think the only thing that saves it from being that is Teddy Bridgewater, but it really could be a stopgap guy for a couple of years when it's not that long of a contract. Yeah, they're in an interesting spot, right? Because of exactly what you said. A lot of their fans, up until they signed Teddy, were kind of in this tank for Trevor, right? As we talked about in the last podcast, where they're talking about rebuild and they're going to bring in a Carolina boy. And it's, it's, he's, you know, you're watching him play at Clemson and then he's coming to play for the Carolina Panthers, right? I I mean, I get the marketability, I get the fit, I get the, 
I totally understand all that, right? But as we've talked about for at nauseum, the tank stuff is ridiculous, right? Because there's no guarantees and, and that you just can't, you can't guarantee anything. You can tank. We've talked yes. about coaching staffs aren't, but this is a new coaching staff new to the NFL. Yeah. Like and there's a lot of question marks. There, but there's going to be a giant learning curve. I agree with Jamie. I don't expect this team to win many games, but I can't really kill them for their offseason grade. I'm going to give it a C because they almost had to. If Ron Rivera stays, Greg Olson's still there. I bet you Luke Keekley doesn't retire. Half, but most of his defense is probably back, depending on you know where their cap was. They knew they had to move a couple of guys. I can see him moving on from Cam Newton. Um, and they'd probably still be pretty damn competitive. So where do you guys have – where do you – I'll go to you, Jake. Where do you – what do you give this team as, a, as an agency grade? What do, you give, what do you give them for free agency? Because they're kind of – like I said, they're in a weird spot. They lost a lot. They added Teddy, who I like, but like – I don't like, want to kill them too bad. Like, I'm going to give them a C because they had to. Moving on from Ron Rivera means you were blowing all his guys out. Yep. And you get a philosophy out, and then you have to go with the head coach, who you gave a seven-year deal to for a ton of money. And you're going to give him all the time in the world to rebuild this. So you can't really downgrade him too much because it's kind of what the necessity was. Their necessity isn't trying to win games in free agency. It was to rebuild this. I think they've started to do that, but it's going to take more than a year or one free agency. And this draft is interesting. I don't, I don't know. I think they take Brown from Auburn and they're happy as hell about it. Yeah. Again, like that's their worst case scenario is they get an elite plug and play right, and right away. Dear. Right. If you could take an elite yeah. one that's from Auburn, that's right down the road, I think that's a home run. Take Derek Brown right there. Yeah, and that's who I have them taking as well. Um, I give them a C page. Uh, it's we have to grade them on the same scale as we graded the Jaguars. Uh, as yeah. look, they're not trying to very, win right now. Very good point. Because if we because if we're grading them on what they did to try to win this year, they get a D minus. But like yeah. that's not what they're trying to do. So it's not fair. Like that's I not you know what I mean. That's a little more because they added more draft cap and they yeah. have cap space. See, that's where I yeah. think the draft's going to play a, a huge part here, right? Because they are at that seventh overall spot. And in Joe Marino's mock, right, he has them trading out of that seventh overall spot, trading with the New England Patriots, actually. And the Patriots are moving up, which would be very interesting, to draft Jordan Love, right? And they're acquiring 23. I can't oh. imagine this happens. 23, 87, and then next year's first and third, right? Which – if they, giving up that much. No, the Patriots they are stay where they have. They stay where they are, and they could draft Jordan Love. That's what I think. I mock draft. He's running too many things through his brain. None of that yeah, makes me. I, I, I love Joe, but I, I think that's. I love Joe too, but that, I think the steep. the idea, right? More so, less the team, but the idea, like what you were talking about, Jake. How you like what Jacksonville did more because they have more draft capital. That's the type of move that if they are at seven and they want to move out to get more capital this year and next year so they can get so they can really refresh this team and at the end of the day put themselves in a position for next year if they do want Trevor Lawrence. If it wasn't Atlanta and in the division, seven to sixteen would make a yes. lot of sense. Yes. Still getting a really, really good player. And if it's Chason or somebody that's a pass rusher, they lost both of them as well. Yeah. You don't have to pay them quite as much. You could pick up some some extra capital, maybe you know another two, two next year, whatever it is. That I'm down with. Patriots. I just think, yeah, I just, yeah, the Patriots aren't doing that. And the other problem with seven is I think all the quarterbacks that everybody wants to move up for are gone, right? Like, I don't think anybody's moving to seven to take Jordan Love. I think Tua no. and Herbert and Joe Burrow are gone. 
at seven. So that's and a I think Simmons position. is gone. Yep. Like Okuda's gone. Like I don't know who you're trading up for there, unless you're you know I, that that's uh, unless you're trying to jump in front of the Cardinals to take the top tackle on the board. Well, like that's yeah, one, the, of these, one of these tackles is worth trading up for for some that, team. That would be the only scenario for me. The Patriots, I know we're not, we're not going to talk about them later, but the Patriots pick is interesting just because it got brought up because I, they could do so many things because I know everybody, including myself, is mocking a quarterback to them. Uh, but they could go – I mean, they need to add on the offensive line. Take a quarterback. Yeah, they have a lot of different needs. Or they just get really wild and, like, take Jacob Eason there and just fool everybody. Like, just, just – that pick is going to be yeah. – or just do the Belichick thing and trade back and get more capital. Like, all of those things they could – Yeah. The, the interesting thing with them, and we'll get into them later on, is they're going to have to tell us what the hell they're going to do there at a certain point. Like, like, is it Brian Hoyer? I don't know, right? Like, I, I mean, maybe. Is it one of these other guys that's still sitting out there? I'm still trying to figure out what the hell is going on with Andy Dalton, right? I'm still trying to figure out what the hell is going on in Cincinnati. Uh, so I think that leaves us in a really fun position for this upcoming draft because of what's going on all around us, right? It's prevented – a lot of these obviously team visits and movement and physicals and some of these changes, right. Are going to have to wait, right. Some of these things are going to wait on and we might get more draft day scenarios that make movement happen. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of variables in this draft that we're not really used to, right. Which is because of what's going on around us. So that changes things for certain, but I don't seven kind of sucks for Carolina this year because I think they're picks. This is where they go, right? So they are 7, 30, 69, 113, 148, 152, 184, and 221. So they have a first, a second, a third, a fourth, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. So they got good draft capital, but they don't have Jacksonville draft capital. I mean, we just said both defensive ends, both defensive tackles, middle linebacker, safety, corner. You're not getting that in this draft. You're not getting all those guys. You gotta get four of those, but you're not gonna get the guys you lost. You know, one big thing, I guess we could knock them. It's not really this offseason, it's probably previous offseason that we're giving them a grade. These were all free agents. The difference in Jacksonville is they traded all those dudes before they got up to go with like a baseball basketball thing. They traded them before they got nothing back and let them hit free agency. So while we talked about Clayus Campbell, yeah, they only got a fifth back, but they lost that contract and they got something, right? They traded uh, A.J. Boye. They got something before he left in free agency, and they're both older players that are paid a lot of money. They aren't playing to that value. That's why I gave Jacksonville a B. I like what they've done because they're heading towards a rebuild, not towards trying to win games. But I think they've done a better job of that than Carolina. These guys were all free agents that were allowed to leave other than the Trey Turner trade, and they did that for Russell Okun, whose contract expires, I think, after next year, and he's an older player in his, in his twilight. So it was done. It was done to do that anyway for him to move on. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people thought they would get something for Cam, but it didn't materialize, right? No. And I, yeah. I, I just I think the way things ended last year for Cam, I never really envisioned there was this big market for Cam Newton that everybody talked about. I just I, I don't know. I didn't see it because we've talked about Cam Newton's downfall, and Jamie's brought up that he could potentially be retiring, which I'm still not out on that idea happening, right? I'm still not out on that being a, a, a factor here because he either A, doesn't get given a starting job or B, doesn't get given the amount of money he thinks he's going to, he deems necessary. So that's still something that we could see very well happen. Um, it's actually probably a, a pretty good possibility at this point, Jamie. So we'll have to go back yeah. and, and say you were a genius because I think you said it in about October like a, of this yeah, last year. 
and the other factor too is how much pain is he in? I know he's posting all these 100%. videos on Instagram, and and I know he would I like he would like. Guy. He looks yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, he's but a freak. X-rays of the foot. No, and look, I know you. MRIs of the shoulder. I don't look, care. I know you, like, we know you're a freak athlete and a freak. Yeah. But that's a big ass body to be carrying around on a broken foot and a jacked up shoulder. And he's been hit a lot. And, and, yes, and, and that's has. the thing I keep bringing up is like, look, I know we would love nothing more than to go on an FU tour. But as, again, if he's in a lot of pain still, do you want to come back for less money than you think you're worth to take a job you think is beneath you? And, and, and I don't mean that in a negative fashion, but look, I don't think Cam Newton looks at himself as a, I'm a backup quarterback now. I'm just looking to get a job. There's not a chance in the world he thinks. And by the way, he wouldn't be where he was if he thought that. So that, that's not a criticism of Cam. I just don't think he's healthy. And, and that's why I brought up on the show last week where we we're talking about this Cam Newton debate. There are two different languages being spoken. And, it, and it's those that think you're getting Cam Newton from three years ago. And those that think, like I do, that you're getting the Cam Newton from the last two years who I don't know has a healthy shoulder or a healthy foot. And, and that's why there's this clash. If, Cam, if you told me tomorrow, Cam Newton is like, you made the magic wand, he's injury-free, and you're going to get the version from three or four years ago, he absolutely deserves to be a starter in the league. But the last I've seen of him in the back half of two seasons ago and literally no, essentially no season last year tells me he's not healthy. Yeah. Well, and Cam Newton and some other guys in other sports, Carmelo Anthony came out and dropped 30 because he's been an elite shooter since he was 12. Cam Newton can't be a stand-in-the-pocket passer because he never has been. We talk about this all the time, and it's my big-ass complaint with people talking about dual-threat quarterbacks. When you take away that run or they're limited with a sprained ankle, we saw with Michael Vick, they're not the same guy. If they couldn't ever throw it from the pocket, Aaron Rodgers is athletic. Andy Dalton, a lot of these guys have moved, right? Yeah. But they're not dual-threat. They're just – Patrick Mahomes is not a dual-threat quarterback. Yeah. They're yeah. He's a pocket passer that's elite on the move that's looking to throw, not looking to run. Cam was never that. He doesn't have that jump shot to rely on in his twilight that some of these guys do. That's the biggest problem with me is he only knows one way to play. And that's take that 250-pound body and ram it down your freaking throat and make some throws off of that, hit yeah. you off balance, use that elite athleticism that he's always had. It's now waning. I agree with Jamie. I don't, I don't, I don't see a place for him. I also don't see him retiring yet just because of all the stuff in the FU tour he'd love to go on. But that doesn't mean anybody's going to sign him and give him what he wants. And that's money and a starting job. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to pay attention to. It's also obviously played a big factor that, uh, you know, the injury stuff is you have to pass a physical, right? And right now, that's not a possibility. Um, and that's, it might not be a possibility here for a couple of months. So he might be sitting around waiting um, Could be for a little while here. Yeah. It could be to his benefit. If you don't take a physical for a couple months, you keep rehabbing. You keep, keep getting better. Keep getting better. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, guys. Uh, Jamie, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Uh, one parting thought is just a, a continuation of, of the Cam Newton thing is his best bet if he wants to be a starter this year is waiting as long as possible. Uh, and one, he might not have a choice. He's going to have to wait as long as possible. But we talk about what I believe was already going to be a limited off-season program that I think is going to get more and more limited. I think the NFL is doing a, a, trying to do their best of not saying anything so they don't, they don't spark outrage. But uh, I think there's going to be, even if they, especially if they think they're going to start the season on time, we're going to have a very abridged off-season program. A lot of times that means, as Jake always brings up with some of those guys, pulled hamstrings, other issues. His best bet is waiting to see what a desperate team that is in playoff contention that loses a quarterback for four to six weeks. Or somebody, you know, somebody, you know, I don't Good imagine point, like an Jamie. ACL tear, sorry, but 
even if it's like, okay, well, they, they've messed up their hamstring in week one of the preseason. They're going to miss the first month of the season. That's his best opportunity. Uh, I, I don't see him. Is, he doesn't fit another offense. His was yeah. good around him for all these years. You can't plug and play him in I know. anybody else's offense. Now, yeah. in a five-week training camp, it's hurt in week one. Yeah. Can you build him that you think he's the guy? Maybe. But to that, that logic, which I agree with wholeheartedly, he doesn't fit anywhere else. Yeah. That game is not – he can't be a pocket passer. You can't make him something else that he's never been. And nobody else runs that offense. I mean, Carolina oh, – I take that back. Lamar Jackson sprains an ankle. Yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah. It breaks an ankle, tears an ACL, yeah. and they want to go instead of RG3, they want to bring in Cam. I can see that. And he goes and runs a read option for a year, whatever. But it's not a long-term thing, and he's not a, really a starter. He's just filling in. I see him doing that, but that's the only offense that I can see this working with yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, Jake, any other parting thoughts on today's pod? Interesting division after some of the other ones we've done. Uh, solid. You know, Carolina's doing what they're doing, but they've got a plan. Atlanta, I think, as I said, I don't know that they got worse, but they finished really strong the second half of the season after, what, one and seven start? Uh, they were really – I mean, they, they're going to be tough. If they're healthy, they're going to be tough. Tampa Bay got better. The Saints did what they did to stay right there. This division had a really good offseason. It's going to be a lot of fun next year. I mean, it's, yeah. there's – Matt Ryan and Tom Brady and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Matt Ryan and Drew Brees. That's six. Damn. And then throw Teddy Bridgewater in that mix. And that's going to be a lot of freaking fun games to watch. Yeah. That's my, that's my parting thought is from top to bottom at the most important position by far in the NFL, it's hard to imagine that you can, your drop off, right? Your worst quarterback is quote unquote, Teddy Bridgewater. You have Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Teddy Bridgewater in this division. That's a pretty damn good one, two, three, four. When you look at the most important position in football, uh, By the so way, they play the NFC North and the AFC West, the AFC West, NFC South, all those teams playing next year. I mean, there's gonna be some prime time games in that one. Oh yeah, can't sign me up. Oh yeah, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, RIP to the Atlanta Falcons on the road, though. Good God, Jamie, that was a good point, point that you brought up. Great, great uh, looking ahead. How can yes, everybody? Yeah, I just wanted to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> How can everybody uh, follow you on social media, Jamie? You follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys can check out Joe Marino's latest mock at thedraftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.